Let's spell a song so you can sing along with a special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song's second chance theater where we recover a topic but with a new guest i'm your host john and with me today well he seems to be like mr second chance theater at this point it's derek speedy everyone Woo! Woo! mr second chance theater that's what they called me in high school <laughs> shut up i hate you <laughs> oh my no, god i didn't ha- i didn't have a cool enough name like that He's here to recover the 1998 classic that you probably saw on the title episode anyway, The Wedding Singer. Previously, we covered this with Krista Kamimuku Wong in uh, number 178. Um, Yeah, words are hard. (laughs) Mm. We have plenty more to go. D-Speeds and I have had a long day and it's going to get even longer with this episode, but in a good way, because I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoy watching this movie. I do too. So first and foremost, for a long time, I called this like my guilty pleasure movie. And I really had to just like stop taking away the guilty pleasure movie because it's not a guilty pleasure. It's just a good movie. Like, why would you why did you feel guilty about it? I don't know, which I think is something that maybe we'll get into. But, like, maybe, you know, like, oh, it's a rom-com. I'm not supposed to, like, love a rom-com. I don't know. Masculinity, society, um, which I want to talk a lot about in this movie. I think this movie actually was pretty progressive for 1998 when it came to talking about masculinity. Yeah, because Robbie's character is, like, really in touch with his feelings. And... In a twist of like the rom-com stereotypes, he's the lead of the movie. It's not Drew Barrymore's character, really. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like anyway. No, I think that's totally fair. And I, and you know, he's the the hopeless romantic, and you just see how much he loves love, and everybody kind of talks about that and says that's kind of his fatal flaw. You know, Linda says it's part of the reasons that she doesn't want to marry him is that you know you just wanted to be in love with someone so badly it didn't matter who it was and so i think you know as as a kid i kind of like uh not emphasized what is the word i'm looking for (laughs) empathized there it is okay (laughs) um it's gonna be a long 45 minutes left to go isn't it (laughs) but i always empathized with that and you know i don't know why you know i always felt like you know you see um all the other examples of, you know, people we're not supposed to root for. You're not supposed to root for Glenn, who's about, you know, babes and money. And, you know, he makes dumb choices throughout the whole thing. And actually, what I want to talk about with you a lot more is the musical. I think that's where I can come into play here. Because I know that Krista did not have a chance to See go it. in depth with the musical. Okay. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I have so much I want to talk about with this movie. Let's, I'll, I'll let you're... you. I know. I'll let you lead, lead the way. So, okay, first and foremost, why did you, I mean, you kind of answered this in a way, but like, what, do you have a thesis statement this time as to why you wanted to recover this topic? I don't have a thesis statement this time. I think more of what it was, was understanding how much this movie has kind of meant to me. And it kind of blew my mind the more and more I thought about it. 
And a lot of that is in actually relationship to the musical. Interesting. So let's start with the movie first. Let's yes, do of course. all of that. Um, re-listening to the episode, Krista and I try to define the genre. Because like you called it a rom-com, but I still don't think it is. I think you're right. I, I, I think that's fair. Because I, <sighs> I, I feel like it, it's a comedy. We can agree on that. Yeah. But I don't know. But do you consider like 50 First Dates a rom-com? Or is that a, the same thing? Is it just, you know, is it an Adam Sandler movie? I think that's the thing is he has his own genre of movies. And a couple of them do happen to be, well, so have this, romances in them. Adam Sandler, like around this time and forward, is, is a very specific type. Because he also, we also had the Billy Madisons, the Happy Gilmores. We have the screwball comedies that he's been in. But I feel like this one, um, I don't know if I want to lump click into this. But like, he likes to uh, branch out into different forms of comedy. We'll put it that way. I don't know. I think this is just a comedy movie. First, like, period, full stop. And then there's like romance and music, musical and a little drama and, you know, a shitload of references. That Yeah, it's more it's more of like a, a period movie than anything. A, a period drama. Yes. Period, uh, comedy. period, period comedy. comedy. Yes. That's what I meant to say. Words are hard. But like, I, I still. Well, I, mean, I think it is interesting. I think going from the, the you know the screwball comedies, you know specifically Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore being the first two big ones before this, and you know I mean he he made his start on SNL, and yeah, there's romantic elements to both those movies. You know, he, he gets the girl at the end of both but both those films. But to have this really be, you know, like a character who's in love with love, and it is. I do think very romance forward that it's about love. It's about emotion. It's not about, you know, this, this silly situation, but then there's also a love subplot. Like the love plot is the a plot of this film. And he had never proven that he was a romantic lead really in any way. So I think they really, I think this was actually a really big turning point for him. And I think it was a really big swing to do that. Yeah. And it's a very different character that he's played up to this point. He's kind of the straight man almost in a lot of it. There's kookier characters around than him. I I think though for his character, the humor is more in the words. Like mm. like like the scene that comes to mind is when Linda is like, "Oh, I, I didn't want to marry you for X, Y, and Z," and he's like, "This would have been helpful yesterday." Like that. My parents and I say that to each other all the time and that's the thing is that's what i've noticed from this movie there's so many little things or when the um the the older gentleman who's with them during the fight when it's like you can call this song i got punched in the face for sticking my nose in other people's business and the older guy goes sounds like a country song my parents and i say that to each other all the time there's so many references that have come out of this movie for me and my parents which is very funny but I think the other thing I'll say, too, is SNL, he had, you know, he would do little segments like the, the Hanukkah song came out during that. A lot of his stand up, he'd bring guitar out. Um, he did Opera Man on SNL as well. That like he is very musical inclined and people had kind of seen that already on SNL. But this is the first time he really brought it to his movies. It's interesting to think about Robbie as 
the wedding singer or like the live entertainment for events because it, it it seems like i i don't know he works for the hall that he's always in that that was something that i thought was interesting too it's like you know like it really like touched on you know weddings as like the industry and like i mean in jersey that seems like a really real thing where there is i actually just went to a wedding where it was like this is like this huge reception hall and people work for the hall the band didn't but i'm sure that's a case but you know the idea of putting them all together as co-workers you know sammy's the limo driver robbie's the wedding singer julia's the waitress with holly and holly like, yeah and like they're they work all the events at this one place it feels like no oh, i mean a small town in suburban new jersey everybody gets married at the same place i'm sure i mean i i definitely you know that's definitely especially in the 80s i can tell you like almost exactly where this is supposed to take place and that's absolutely the case well what's interesting though is that i don't think the various events that we see so we see what like two weddings that he plays for and the bar mitzvah yes i don't think they all know each other but what i really appreciated about robbie as a character is that he gets everyone involved he's part of the family that's something i wrote like i love that thing and like yeah i actually do feel like this movie made me fall in love with like the idea of weddings and I thought weddings were supposed to be these big, I mean, they are, but this really big romantic occasion and the idea of the wedding singer being not just the MC or just the wedding singer, but almost like part of the family and part of the action. He's like, uncle Roy, you know what I'm talking about or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Or, or grandma, somebody. And you're, I was just sitting there we watching this for, for this. And I was just like, Oh, he took the time to learn the names of people, which yeah. There's probably what, like three to four we- weddings per weekend, give or take, that he's working. And you're like, all these names and people that, like, you take the effort for that two hours, three hours to yeah. make them feel special enough. I don't know. I feel like what Linda was saying about how he was a rock star and everything, and now she's marrying a wedding singer, but like, he seems pretty successful. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yes, getting the contract from Billy Idol at the end is great and all, but like <laughs> he has a job and he's doing what he loves. So he just needs the money to be a bit more. I think the other one other thing I'll say about Robbie that I think is really interesting is like, I do think in some ways it is Adam Sandler playing more of the straight man in the sense that like, there's still the Adam Sandler goofs where he's like, you know, again, says like, someone would have been happy to meet yesterday. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam yeah. Sandler yell um and his sarcasm but there's just kookier characters around him i think even sammy's a kookier character holly's a kookier character glenn glenn's friend especially when they're at the party and glenn's friend keeps being like i heard your fiance left you at the altar that must have stunk and he's like yeah my parents died when i was 10 too do you want to talk about that why would i want to talk about that i don't like like that that that's like but he's like undercutting everything and I thought that was really cool that he's, you know, you have Glenn and his buddy who are talking about getting wasted and all this stuff. And he's just being him. And he sees Sammy being annoying and like flirting with Julia and calls him out for making the joke when they first met that he's kind of there observing everything. And yeah, he's like, he's the wedding singer, but he's not the John Lovitz character. He's not Steve Buscemi. He's not George. You know, he is actually, him and Julia are the two people who are the most 
acclimated and the most relatable, which I just think is was different for him at the time. I think they they did a really good job. Yeah, because like Julia's mom, who plays Mrs. Geller on Friends, that's right. She's something. Maybe it's time to fake a pregnancy. Yes, and I'm like, girl, <laughs> what? Are Can you- I tell you the thing that really fucked me up this time around? Okay. And it started from the first time when Glenn laughs in the first scene. That is one Jeremy Jordan looking motherfucker. I I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, this is Jeremy Jordan in 15 years. Oh, oh. (laughs) I can just see it. I don't know why. I just, I couldn't get it. It's it's the smile and the, the charisma. But of course we love Jeremy Jordan. Jeremy Jordan is not Glenn Gulia. Let's be clear. I'm looking up Matthew Glaive, who plays Glenn. I'm looking up his filmography on IMDb. I feel like he always plays the smarmy character, because unfortunately yeah. that's what he looks like. Um, but hey, he's he's working, working hard, <laughs> doing a lot of things here and there. He was a great asshole, but like with him, I feel like I didn't hate him right away. Yeah, I, it's funny as like, you know, in my head as a kid, I was like, oh, this is the, you know, I know how this story's supposed to go. I can kind of have a feeling I'm supposed to hate this guy. But they did a good job of him, like, you see why she was with him, at least like, at the beginning. You like can see kind, why she might, yeah. He's kind of a douche. But you're like, he's fine. We don't know more about him. And then as the movie progresses and we see more about him, about, like, cheating and all those other things, you're like, oh, you're really an asshole. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I feel like it's actually, it's harder for me to understand why Robbie was with Linda than why Julia was with Glenn. I think it was just what she said. He was in love with love. They were in love since high school. And, and, and he was in a band and she thought he was going to be the next rock star. So maybe that was it, but it was, it was a thing of convenience. Um, Was there something we left out in the previous episode that you wanted to like talk more about or talk about? Um, I, again, I think I really do want to get to the musical a little bit and, and some of the, the comparisons and what they did and, and with, with that. But um, if we're talking about music, I, I don't see, I think the story could be told in a different decade, you know, it could be told now. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, if it was an indie movie, we could do a lot more like, you know, indie rock, indie pop. And we could kind of have almost like a, I guess almost like a Garden State-esque type soundtrack, you know, something like a, you know, a Zach Braff joint um and and that kind of world and um but i think that the 80s are just so perfect and i think the music plays a really important role that yes i was paying more attention to it just for the sake of of our conversation today but i felt like i was so aware of music in this in this movie mm-hmm. as transitions as setting the mood for the scene to come as uh denoting when um things were changing um, we, I, I know you and Krista talked about uh, "Don't Stop Believing," playing at the wedding. But I love that too. The, the, like that is that's honestly what Robbie's doing the entire time he's on the altar. He's not stopping believing. She's gonna come. She's just fixing her makeup. She's on her way. And then as his sister's telling him what happens, um, you can tell that the balance changes, and you hear just the strings. You don't hear the full. You just hear just the violin. And so it's a little more like things are a little tighter and uh, falling apart a little bit more. 
Hmm. Um, but it plays for longer than you think it does. You start to drown it out maybe in your mind because you're listening to the dialogue, but it plays all the way through, even him going into the mirror and yelling at himself. And then it stops. Interesting. I didn't, re- I didn't pick up on that. And then it jumps to White Wedding, sung by Billy Idol. And he says, will somebody turn this turn crap off. off, please? And so understanding why Billy Idol is the person they chose at the end, other than just his, he's a fun personality, is was a really nice change and a really nice full circle moment. I actually do think it's a, when I was a kid, I just thought it was funny that, you know, Steve Buscemi's character comes back and um, is singing at their wedding at the end. But the idea that, you know, this guy was a drunk and, you know, was ruining his brother's wedding and didn't believe in love. They'll be divorced in a year. Like, and now he's singing at weddings and is kind of being Robbie, like shows that like pervasiveness of, of Robbie's attitude and his just love of love and, you know, his optimism. I actually think it was, you know, this movie was actually a lot smarter than I thought it was. It wasn't just this, you know, like comedy. I don't know. I think, I think it was actually a very uplifting, like positive kind of movie. And I, I, I give it way more credit now. Seeing and it I, again. and r- me rewatching this, I realized that they had like just the right amount of SNL cast members. Yes, absolutely. It. it wasn't an overload of them. It was, you know, they had um, obviously Adam Sandler, um, John Lovitz. I believe he was on it. Yes. And then Kevin Nealon, who plays the bank manager. Yeah. But like, I'm just like, this is the right amount. You got your, you got your buddies. I'm not sure. I don't think Steve Buscemi was ever on SNL as a cast member. No, but, but apparently him and Adam are, are good buds because he just yeah. keeps pump, coming up. The other thing I want to say about music too is like it just sets the mood, the mood, and like also moments. So an, another couple ones where um, the first time after the breakup where there's actually a happy song um, is at the engagement party, and you can hear all night long. Oh yeah. And again, I just I even though they're having this conversation, it would the the mixing of the music, the music was pretty prevalent. And I thought that was really, really cool that it was like, okay, he's starting to kind of, you know, get his mojo back and it's because of her. And then, you know, of course, like the, the fun sequence is all set to you make my dreams come true. Um, just like, I, I, I don't know. I think the music was so well thought out and well, so specific. And, you know, when he, when Sammy comes by in his limo, which is also just such a funny visual that you can do in the film and not in the musical of like watching him driving the limo everywhere. Which, which so got he, me to th- got me to thinking. I wonder if he's done this. If Robbie has done this before to Sammy, be like, you have to audition. They were cones. They were cones. <laughs> That's the other one my parents and I say to each other. Um, but no, he shows up, and in the musical, that's the part right after the wedding where somebody kills me comes in. But the song that he's listening to in the basement is "Boys Don't Cry" by The Cure. And he says, I've been listening to a lot of The Cure when he starts singing Somebody Kill Me. Look at you. Yeah. Okay. I know you've been patient. We're we're here. Let's talk (sighs) about the musical. First of all, have you been in it? It was the first leading role I ever had was Robbie Hart. I knew it. It's a role that I feel like you could have a healthy career playing for a while. If you ever did, oh, if you. you ever, if they ever got the tour back to do it. Um, I, I, I had so much, I mean, it was my first stage kiss ever. 
um, I had to learn, not learn guitar, but I had to really like playing guitar in front of people on stage was a huge deal for me. Oh, you're a good for... example of this. We talk, I talk a lot about like faking playing instruments in movies and everything. Um, you didn't actually play it though, but you faked it. So I didn't, I didn't play like the, the opening song, like It's Your Wedding Day or any of the other stuff. Like we, I didn't play those, but I played Somebody Kill Me and Grow Old With You. What was more difficult, learning to play or learning how to fake it for some for the other songs? I mean, I was 15 years old. I didn't try that hard to fake it. I just strummed, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> um, you know, there was a lot of forgiveness from our parents in the audience. Um, you feel. But <laughs> one of, what, some of the people who came to see this show um, were my cousin. Uh, my cousin, Danny. She's 10 years older than me. She's like my big sister. If it hasn't become abundantly clear over the last six episodes I've been here, I'm an only child. Um, so she's like the sister I never had. And um, she had just started dating, um, who is now her husband, Dave. And uh, the kind of one of the first times I really met him, he came to see me play Robbie and Wedding Singer. Flash forward a few years, they're getting married. And they can't agree on a first dance. And she asked me if I would sing Grow Old With You as their Aww. first dance. Um, because it was the only thing they could agree on. And it was really one of their first dates where he was really coming and hanging out with the entire family. And so I wrote them a verse that was just about them and about. That is nice. Um, and so I, so I sang an extra verse and I played, I played the guitar and I, I sang it for them. And it was their first dance. And for the rest of the night, everyone kept coming up to me, asking me if I wrote that song. Um, then other people just calling me the wedding singer, even though that was the only thing I did. They had a whole band that was incredible that night. But it was um, like this show is really kind of um, etched in, in in me in some ways and me and my family. So with the, sh- the show version, from my memory of it, it's been a while since I've seen it. I've listened to the album since, you know, the last episode and recording this one i feel like they did a good translation from film to screen from film to stage it was pretty it was pretty clean i i don't know i i didn't i didn't uh jot down the exact differences but it was i mean where they added the songs made sense the songs themselves made sense the fact that they got somebody kill me and grow old with you is perfect yeah and like they they hit the same beats it felt like but like uh i i said this last time uh they they changed characters a little bit yeah like so he so sammy's not a limo driver he's in the band that's oh that one i didn't say but i was going to talk about his uh robbie's grandma who is a combination of rosie, rosie and his sister and his sister yeah. as well as the his brother-in-law I realized because his brother-in-law like kind of in the movie oh, yeah. talks to him about like, you got to get up nipple and- twisting. <laughs> well, so it's funny. It's like, the, you know, I, I, I liked this movie as a kid and, you know, my parents let me watch it. And I always remember there was a couple moments they would, you know, have me close my ears or we'd skip over. I think that was one. Um, and so when I was 10, when the, when the musical came out, I was 10 in 2006, John, how does that feel? I hate you. So when the musical came out, we were going to go see it, but 
it was um I was gonna go see it with like all my like childhood friends and like our parents who we all liked and we were all gonna go together and our parents listened to like the soundtrack and they're like maybe we shouldn't and I'm not gonna lie I think the musical is horny as hell oh yeah that musical is it's way hornier than this movie is oh yeah like Holly is like at a thousand oh yeah I do like though the change that they made in the musical of Robbie and Julia's relationship that they actually knew each other for a while. Yeah. It feels like at least, and I I like that Julia wasn't engaged yet either. So they, right. um, Which I don't know. It's tricky because like, you know, they both meet in the movie when they're engaged and that, that, you know, they're kind of on equal footing where it's kind of weird for Robbie to meet her when she's engaged. I mean, they, they do start off just as a friendship, but, um, it is I mean, funny to see see that total switch. He's engaged, she's not, and then she's engaged and he's not. It just and then it, it switches. It, it feels like that the musical though, like you could tell that they were friends for a long time. Um and that when they do like the what's that one song? I um it's not that kind of thing. Yes, where this which is, the, is which is replaces you make my dreams come true, which I think is actually I think they really like at the big moments. The movie does such a good job of having these these musical then, elements to it. Yeah, that then that I think it made sense for these songs to just slip into those same moments. Um, but like when they act like brother and sister and everything, I was like, I kind of believe it more in the show than I did in the movie because. Again, I don't know how much time actually elapses in the movie. <laughs> it seems um, like a month. For that time, it's yeah, it's about two months, a month or so. It's three weeks since the wedding when he goes back to work. It seems, and then it's another three weeks till the engagement party, and then the next weekend there's a bar mitzvah, and then she's like, "Please help me," and then he starts going through all the help with. All her. right, so maybe like two. You said two months total from start to finish. I, for the entire movie, I don't know. So she's supposed to get married August 5th. And and he's having the bachelor party on the Friday before the wedding, which is when they meet outside the bar. Hmm. So, it, it, so it takes place, um, I would say, over the summer of 1985. Okay. So a couple, a couple of months. But, like, I, I like the chemistry more... And uh, it's not that kind of thing in the musical because like they had they don't talk about how long they've worked together, but it feels like it's been longer than three months. Yeah, fair enough. But also the movie's a little more uh, subtle in its uh, 80s references. What? Uh, <laughs> I, think the, I mean, I think visual, but I would say this is the difference, you know, between the theater and film is that visually I think it's very stark in Wedding Singer. In the sorry, in the film, it's very stark visually. I mean, even you and Krista were talking about the makeup, all the costumes. Clearly, you two are more attuned to that. But you know, all the are you jokes... calling us old? Is that why you're calling us old? No, I'm saying that you have more expertise in that. Both of uh, you. Goddamn you, speeds. Anyway, yeah. But I would say, in lieu of that, because they can't make costume changes as quickly in the in the theater as much as you know every scene can be these different characters and these different you know Mm -hmm. references to style um where you know we can't have people changing their hair and makeup every single scene you know over the course of a 90 minute play but 
so like some of the jokes, you know, the jokes about new Coke, you know, it's referenced really briefly in, you know, at the start, it's, it's playing over the, the radio in the kitchen and like the first scene where we meet Julia, but in all about the green, you know, Glenn is saying, Oh, new Coke. Yeah. That sounds like something Buy every stock. We yeah, can and don't buy Starbucks basically. Cause who wants yeah, to don't pay? buy Starbucks? Who would, who would pay $3 for a cup of coffee? So they're a little more verbally explicit about it. I think in the musical, Whereas the only one that caught me off guard in the movie was, man, you two really are going to last. I really believe it. You guys are just oh, like Ivana and Donald or Woody and Mia. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I did write down this movie bitch slaps you in the beginning with the everything 80s. But like, it's also the gross 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, exactly. It's not glamorized like Stranger Things. It's gross eighties. It you're like, oh no, no, we don't. Want but I think it also works because there's the there, there. I've been using this word, but like the pervasiveness of music in culture in the eighties, because and it was so about culture of like you know music videos and you know the styles surrounding more singers than even like actors more than anything. You know, oh, I'm I, mean, I meant more with like the bridesmaids dresses and the hair oh, of course, of thing course. and you're like oh. but i'm saying but i'm saying this is a reason why i think it had to be the 80s i think it's such an homage to not just the 80s as the decade but also the music of the 80s and like music's effect on culture and fashion and all of the above you know um so i th- i think it really i think it, it was really smart to set it in this decade and it's interesting that it was only 10-ish years from the actual time. Like, when the movie was made, like, they went 10 years prior. Uh, usually things are, like, every 30 years. So, like, now in the 2020s, 20-teens, 2020s, we were obsessed with the 80s. Everything 80s. Yeah. So this movie got on the bandwagon before everything else did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't want to see the, an early 2000s version of this movie, that's for sure. Um, the, it's funny. The new time period for the American Girl dolls is 1990s. Oh, no. <laughs> I, that has nothing to do with anything, but it's just a fun fact from life that uh. I picked up on. And I was like, I had the same reaction where I was like, somebody get me my walker. I'm so old now. <laughs> Oh, one thing I want to go back to real quick is so the not, not that kind of thing, which is a great song in the musical. And I think, mm-hmm. it, again, is a little more explicit of like how they are feeling about each other and, you know, they're verbalizing it through song. Um, and I think it was necessary to make that a longer sequence so we could see it because I think the one thing the wedding, the wedding singer musical misses out on is the importance of that bar mitzvah scene. As opposed to just the joke of like, oh, what else is there to do as a wedding singer? You know, one bar mitzvah for the four Jewish families. No, they have it. But what they miss out on is the fact that you see the two of them start to become a team. Where she, you you don't see them have a conversation, but she, you know, chooses, you know, the nerdy kid to dance with. I believe that was Bruce Bogtrotter from the Matilda movie. You're right. I believe you're right. Because I'm like, like, I'm like, this kid, that part, the hair. I thought the it was face. the kid from the Sandlot for a second. I was like, that's not right. No, I think that's Bruce Bogtrotter from the original Matilda movie. Yeah, I think you, I think you're, I think you got it. I think that's right. Anyway, but like, sorry. But you know what I'm saying? But seeing them become a team on that. Yes. And 
just watching watching that watching that go down and, and seeing them actually, you know, that, I think that to me solidified the friendship of like, oh, they're on the same page. And so yeah. then, you know, he gets to agree to actually go do this montage of helping her with the wedding stuff. So I think that's something that's missed in the musical where it's kind of just like, let's do this funny song about, you know, <laughs> singing at bar mitzvahs. And then it doesn't really progress their their relationship, where in the movie, I think they do a very good job of that. Okay, so also rewatching the movie, and I don't know if it's answered in the in the stage version, but I don't understand what Julia wants in life. Because like we, they talk about how Robbie just mm. wanted to get married and it was a product of the divorce of his parents and everything. And so Julia just says that she moved closer to be with Glenn and she started waitressing. And you're like... That well, is you- true, you're right. But like, come on, Carrie Fisher with the bump, the, with the, the punch ups on the script doctor. But like, did they, they didn't answer that in the musical either, right? I don't think they did, no. Cause I mean, I get it. I get it. It's not really that important. But like, I don't know. It would be fun if she's just like, oh, I'm waitressing until I finish my, you know, teaching degree. PhD, yes. Yeah. Just a, just a stupid line, a throwaway line. Yeah, um, because like this movie, I, it's called The Wedding Singer and everyone is obsessed with marriage and weddings. And I, I mean, yes, it's part of the romance aspect of it. But I'm just like, you guys are just like one track much. mind here. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like there's more to life than just marriage. Like, how about the relationship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, I have a quick, I have a quick clarifying question too. What okay. is the relationship between? Oh, I answered it. Holly and Julia are cousins. They're cousins in the movie. They're cousins, and the, and she's also Julia's staying with Holly, so they're okay. like cousins and roommates. Okay, because so I was like, I know they have the same last name. I was like, if they're sisters, that makes some of the other stuff way weirder. No, it's said in the beginning by Sammy, and then. In the also in the beginning, Holly has a line where she's like, "What's up, cuz?" And that's oh, okay, really okay. Good. it. They never like talk more about it. The one thing I will say again, it's a really beautiful moment, and church tongue is such a funny line. But like, who's like, "Hey, yeah, you two should kiss right now, so I can see." I think what? <laughs> what? Well, also that that brings up a point about the musical. Because I have that music forever playing in my head because I've listened to it way too many times. As have If you I have. Told You is such an incredible duet. If I um, Told You play, played in the back of my head during that whole sequence when he's looking at her in the dress. I, I, think, I think that of all the music in that show, I actually think that's the song that they nailed. But in Saturday Night in the City, when Robbie and Holly finally kiss... And she's like, this is nothing like the kiss that you gave to Julia. I was expecting that in the movie. Oh, yeah. You're right. She just goes, yummy. Yes. And you're like, okay, okay, Christy <laughs> okay, Taylor. Taylor. Great. <laughs> but, um, but I'm like, okay, so that's a, that's a change that was great for the musical because then you get the, she's marrying for, you know, yeah, ability mm-hmm. moment uh, earlier. And so I will say, you guys, you guys talked about Love My Way cha- playing twice. And I think it's important because, you know, that's the act one break. 
in the musical is Saturday Night in the City. And mm-hmm. in the synopsis, it's like, you know, Robbie realizes that he, in fact, is in love with Julia. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, have Love My Way by a psychedelic first play because he realizes he's in love with her. And have it play twice in that scene. Who cares? Because that's when he's finally realizing it. So that's that's my one. Well, because I feel like one. I feel like as a why this isn't also the rom-com is that there is no love at first sight in this movie. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, it is. And the reason you know that they're meant to be together is because they become friends. Right. And like, like, I think in the musical, there's, there is a little bit of like a feelings, especially during, um, during the montage part, the, um, yeah, not during during not this kind of thing. I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, that's the whole point. Of the song. But in but the like, but in the movie during the montage, the the wedding montage, he doesn't really have those feelings until you later. don't see him catching that look at her or things right. like that. It's no, but yeah, that's fair. The only time is like when they actually start saying the brother sister thing, or like, or when the the photographer says like, "You two are gonna make it." Right, you and can the, just tell like, they're uncomfortable. But, but like, they, they don't. Yeah they don't have feelings for each other at that moment. I feel like I think they do. I think they do. Oh, really? I, I, mm, I, I don't think it, I think it's a little later. Cause like, I feel like there's still just like two besties going shopping. Yeah. And then it's the kiss. The kiss is the big change. That's true. Yes. The kiss is the one. Uh, Cause that's clearly them just having a, a visual display of emotions. The one other thing I just want to call out real quick about the musical, man, I look back on some of these videos and I may, maybe I will send them to you. That you, of you? <laughs> yeah, this was, this was before I like the next fall, I really got down and dirty with like voice lessons and started actually learning vocal technique. Oh boy. Am I screaming a lot of this? And there's, <laughs> and there's one part. So there's the, Will you sing in my wedding? And then <laughs> it's the last moment at the end of a girl with a few. And it's like this big musical buildup. It's like dun da da dun da dun da dun da Um and it's this beautiful like yes. Anyway, I did it and this is my like tone deaf 15 year old. It goes, Will you sing in my wedding? Dun da dun da dun da da Yes. <laughs> And Tom Berger walks backstage and goes, hmm, tritone, strong choice. Oh. oh. And there's like me singing Somebody Kill Me. You just see my vein popping so hard and I'm just screaming. Um, some of them were tough to watch, but. Uh, what year like, was, I just had a curiosity. What year was this? Spring of 2015. So I was, oh. I was, no, not 20, sorry. No, no, spring of, sorry, sorry. I was 15. It was spring of. 2011. Okay. So it was the year before we worked together. I guess so. My Because my first year at Stage Door was 2012. And right. the company was my first, one of my first shows. Was right, my so first hopefully, show. Hopefully I got my shit together by then. Well, that was the, clearly because they pulled you in for it. True. The, wait, the, but the other thing I want to say is that, you know, it's not an easy sing. This, it, it's not an oh, easy sing by any means oh. and they got you know Stephen lynch you know similar i think was the perfect get you know a comedian a stand-up comedian known for using a guitar in his show but not you know known for being a singer by any means um but i mean he's the only performer to get a, a tony nom out of this this show really 
yeah, Laura Benanti did not get a um, to get not get a nom for it. She almost didn't get cast. I do remember watching a behind the scenes on the musical, and they're like, "You are too legit. We are not going to cast you. This is a belting role." And she basically had to learn how to belt and prove that she could belt to play the, to play Julia. Get it. Um, but no, I mean, shout out. I, I, I have a huge shout out to Stephen Lynch that like, again, this is known as an Adam Sandler movie. That like, yes. how do you fill that of like, you know, it's centered around Adam, you know, Adam's personality and charisma. But I do think, you know, something they mentioned is this was a di- diversion from Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore where, you know, he's not in every scene. We actually do get to see some of the behind the scenes of Julia. And we get to see Julia's journey through some stuff too. It's not just his perspective. Um, So I think that's what works. But I think, you know, Stephen Lynch had a really big big shoes to fill. And I think he did a a really, really good job. I think he did a fantastic job. I still would want it to be revived. Hashtag revive the wedding singer. (laughs) Bring it back. Bring it back. Let me me go on. It's just so it okay. So it's just so fun. It's so it's so campy musical theater. It's like it it it, it was so obviously written in like two thousand six. I just think it's like perfect for that era of musical theater. Yes. Um, and it like it's I think similar to the movie. I think that maybe that's why it's you know the 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 the, the musical could, rides that line of like camp and corniness so well. Um that I think it still is actually a pretty good show. So last question before we get into Surf and Flat. You get two phone calls from Broadway. Right. One is to do play Robbie Hart in this. The other is to play SpongeBob. Which one are you taking? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Yay, this is the answer I wanted. <laughs> A real Sophie's choice here, John. <laughs> um, also, that noise was my couch. I did not fart. If it, that, that caught it on 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 my microphone. Sure. If, if it did, edit it out. Edit it out, John. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go. SpongeBob, all in. I figured you I, would. I can't. Your... I can't. I can't turn it down. I figured just because. I mean, that is you. Thank you. You did best day ever. It's true, of course. I think I I think what's funny though. I've I've thought a lot about you know why I um I think that's that's a great choice to give me because you know something that I've noticed you know in my life that I love to identify with SpongeBob and I I loved to identify with Robbie Hart. Like I love this movie because I love this like the the, you know the radical optimism, the radical just like the the hopeless romanticism of it. I like I. I loved having the like these as two examples of like characters that I always looked up to that like that's how I want to live my life and um you know there is something about this movie that like again I think is pretty progressive for 1998 of just like having this dude be in love with love because you get the toxic masculinity with Sammy as the and as the comparisons and you know you get to see our hero kind of just like live within that world and still hold true to it and you know get tempted by all the other sides and in the end stick to his guts and have his happy ever after do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get to sharp and flat let's I think we run the gamut all right let's do it sharp flat so in this section we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it if we liked it it's sharp and if we didn't like it it's flat and, and wait no that's not how i say it god Come on. 
shut up. The 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 thingy happened. I I got distracted. Uh. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments. John's apartment is currently experiencing some uh, gas issues. I'm editing not, this not of, out. Not of the the uh, the flatulent type, just of the uh, "Hey, if you smell it, please leave your apartment" because uh, it I, makes implode at any moment. I didn't smell your your fart from here. I promise. Mm. <laughs> so in this section, we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp, and if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Ooh. And considering. This is the second chance of this. I'm going to see if John agrees with his former sharps and flats. So, D-Speed, the floor is yours. You talk. Go. Um, something we didn't mention, sharp. Alexis Arquette. Yes. I, you, 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 two, you two covered them brilliantly that I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel the need to, um, to go too hard on it. But, I mean, Alexis Arquette, absolute sharp. Brilliant, brilliant performance. Brilliant portrayal. Um, and, I love uh, you, you talk about you talked about the importance of songs in the movie, but I love that George only knows. Do you really want to hurt me? So funny. Because I mean, I don't know any other Culture Club songs off the top of my head right now, or like what was a around at the time period. Because this is 1985. I want to say this is 85. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. I'm actually. I have the movie up. I just finished it right before, which is why I pushed us from our recording by 15 minutes because i uh, finished the movie I figured as much um but it's it's 1985 and adam sandler is the ultimate master of ceremonies dot 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 but like I, I mean he is I left just, at the altar at his own wedding i just let oh that's a better blurb than what imdb gives. yeah you told me that it was like they're both engaged the wrong person yes uh but i just love that alexis uh george only sings <laughs> that one song from culture club anyway continue on with your sharps other sharps, just you know, summoning up the use of music. I think the, the use of music is Chef's Kiss. I think it was intentional. I think it sets the mood. I think it changes the mood. I think it does everything you want a soundtrack to do. And uh, no, no further thoughts on that. Actually, That's... all right. Do you have any flats? So th- I said this was my guilty pleasure movie for so long, and then I got the, I took the the guilty out of it. And I was like, no, this is just a great movie. I just love this movie. And I rewatched it over the pandemic. And it could have been, you know, life circumstances that maybe weren't making me feel so hopelessly romantic and optimistic. But I watched it again and I was like, maybe this doesn't hold up. I didn't I didn't like it as much. I actually was like, oh, maybe I, I don't like this. And so mm-hmm. watching this again, I actually was going in thinking I was going to not like the movie again. And I was actually really scared to rewatch it. And I actually found a new appreciation for it. Again, I think it's smarter than than uh, than than, than I, I I had I had remembered. Um, you know. But that being said, you know, comedy is not a uh, it's not a fine wine. It does not age in the same way. Uh, no, it's it turns, a, it's to, an it turns to vinegar. It turns to vinegar pretty quickly. Um, so you know, I, I I do think that you know such as other films from mr sandler there are you know there is misgendering there is um some transphobic humor um you know there's homophobic humor some gay panic there's also um you know but i will say during the bar mitzvah there is a shot of two men dancing together really but oh yes yeah it's isn't it the yeah 
but I think it's meant. But I think it's meant to be humorous. I know it's meant to be kind of like a joke and everything. But the fact that they, I mean, it, it's not that the people in the universe are laughing at it. It's supposed to be kind of just like us being like, "What?" Uh, oh, because it's Sammy and somebody else, isn't it? Yeah, Sammy and some random person, I think. And it's this is when they're when Julia's dancing with Bruce Brock Trotter and. Um, uh, and Adam uh, Sandler's Bobby. dancing with the little girl that he puts her hands on his butt. Well, because Bruce Bachtrotter puts his hands on. I know, and everybody's doing it, yeah. but 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 still, yeah. um, But I mean, you know that. That being said, like I will say too, you know, there weren't Fifty First Dates has some more direct uh, gender jokes and gender uh, misidentification. That is the butt of the joke. Um, so that being said, you know, I, I think that it's not, it doesn't go, you know, it, 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 I, I, hmm, wording this is tricky, but it just, you know, I mean, it's still, still, it still irked me. It's some, some of the, of the comedy, humor still irked me. Yeah. Is, but, it's, you know, it didn't go as far as some of his other movies do. And, you know, um, I don't want to qualify that. It still wasn't great. Let me try, let me try to put it into different words. Like some, like you said it actually, some of the comedy just didn't age well. It's there's still some really funny moments that aren't time period appropriate, um, but there are some other ones that you're just like, oh, we couldn't, could we have not done this one, Adam Sandler? Yeah, but I mean, but sure nothing that I was like, nothing where I was like, okay, this is this is excessive. Come on, guys! Like, I don't think I can watch this movie. Like, I feel bad saying I love this movie. Where there are like a couple other movies that I, you know, from from him that I really enjoy that I I, I really have to put an asterisk on. Um, so that being said, I, 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 you know, some of the humor, yeah. you know, I, but beyond that, I, I really, I really loved watching this movie again and I'm really glad I got to. Uh, so does John agree with his former sharps and flats? Does he? Yes, I do. But I have some new ones. I want to start with my flat though, because it's a nice segue from what you were saying about how you were worried about uh, rewatching it during the pandemic and you're questioning if it aged well. Um, apparently, sometimes John's in a different mood than he was in the last time. <laughs> and so the I want to flat the overload of 80s references. Okay. There was... Like I know we I praised it last time and I thought it was somewhat funny about rewatching it. I'm like this is now too much. Like there's that scene where um Sammy visits Robbie and they talk about the type of detergent he uses. And I <laughs> yeah. swear to god, I didn't look it up, but I swear that's probably a commercial from 1985. Like I was just like did we have to do this? Like it's funny to be like it's it, you you can put it in with any colors and it won't drain up get out like that's that was a fun line but like i was just like okay and new coke still needs to stop being a thing whenever we do 80s anybody so i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with you and i'm actually gonna go with my sharp is actually i think the references were better integrated than i remember them being i think because I, my most recent experience has been the musical where they hit you over the head with it Right. That I think I, you get hit over the head with this, but I think that the movie used the film medium in a way, as I mentioned, where it was much more visual. There were the, the jokes that were there, such as the, the laundry detergent. 
I think were clever or like dry or sarcastic. I think they were a little funnier. Whereas like, I think the ones that were more apparent and hitting me over the head was just the overall, you know, production of it, of, Mm -hmm. you know, the scene, the scenery, the costuming, the makeup, the hair. Um, So I actually think when they did make these lines, I thought there were some more subtle integrations uh, than I remembered. And I'm also going to agree with you with the, the aged jokes. We're good. We said it. Yeah, that's a flat. But my new sharps, um, we, you and I didn't talk about her, but Krista and I did. I want to sharp Christine Taylor. Yep. Amazing. Like Krista and I talked about how it could have been easy for them to write Holly as like a vindictive mean girl or something. But they did it. And she's just, and Christine Taylor is just so nice. <laughs> like, as a person, I feel like she's just so nice. Yeah. I would love to hear her just like cuss somebody out, just because then I think I would be, I'll, I'll like pee myself laughing. Um, and I, and I think she, I think she in this too is like, yeah, I sleep around. What about it? Like, was actually like, again, for a 90s movie, it was actually pretty, you know, pretty badass. Yeah. Um, you know, and like Glenn makes a couple bad jokes, but that's because it's Glenn. He's a douche. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and you know she she owns herself, and she's just like, yeah, I'll I'll fuck you if you want, Robbie. Let's go. Julia's out. Yeah. Uh. Um, I also want to sharp the chemistry between Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, like gold. I and I think what it goes down to too is that I actually think this was one of the first romance movies where i again i think i think you you called it out perfectly was i saw them be friends yeah i was just like oh they're meant to be together because they're friends not because they're like so passionate for each other they can't not like be around each other it's not or that. it's or like the other rom-coms where it's the two leads and they hate each other and then there's a yeah. there's a moment where they get real and they're like oh actually my dad died and that's why i've been a dick to you and you're like oh now you're gonna love each other like that doesn't it was just oh my goodness these people really enjoy each other oh my goodness they enjoy each other these, a lot they should be together they're supposed to be together these are people they're just effervescent yeah. um and then my last sharp is for john lovitz again but this time, his last two sentences that he says, where he's like, he's losing his mind and I'm reaping, and I'm the, reaping all, the, all, the all the benefits. The benefits. And then the curtain just slowly closes. Like, that is, when I said that there's some jokes in this that are fine and are still hilarious, that's one of them. Genius. Like, I mean, John Lovitz is also a smarmy person who who is, like, gross towards Drew Barrymore, but I'm like, I understand him as the character because it's still the bad. The joke is about him being a smarmy, egotistical weirdo, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, it's, not it's, about... still, it's still bad, but I understand the person because that person will never learn about feminism. <laughs> <laughs> you know this. You know this. Come on. I bet you... No, it's, yeah. I bet you, you know people who are like these characters... Because I do. <laughs> of course. And I mean, I also grew up in, in suburban New Jersey. So uh, a lot of these hit pretty pretty close to home. Oh, boy. Uh, would you add any of the songs from the movie to your life's playlist? From the movie. I think, I think I've got to do Grow Old With You. I mean, I, I think it's, it has become a part of, you know, in my family, a family history. You know, as part of my learning how to play guitar and, 
and one of my first ever acting roles and then just that song too i think i think it is the most beautiful sentiment and i think it's is so revolutionary for like a romance movie of just i just want to grow old with you that's it and also if you really think about it it's one of the full songs in this movie yeah because they wait until the end to give you that because like when it starts with you spin me around it's not the whole thing it's it's only a portion of the song and do you really want to hurt me they keep cutting back to george but it's not the whole song yeah so um Um, what about when he when he sings at the bar mitzvah though which i don't know what that song is that's the one song I, i i don't clock i don't know that one i can't i can't answer that question but i feel like a lot of the songs are just portions and i don't know to to talk legalese for a second there are moments in these songs where they change the lyrics so i don't know if that's how they got away i with live a lot of in the- my sister's basement yeah krista did it better than me but yeah um so last time i i agree with what i said last time do you really want to hurt me somebody kill me and girl with you those are just great songs i mean i i wish you spin me round was just longer like the full song because it's the perfect way to, to start the movie though it's the perfect way but like for the life's playlist of it all oh, i hear you i, hear you. I yeah. wish it was the full song that they sang maybe it's on the album i don't know i don't have the soundtrack to this do you i do not okay so on that note d speeds i'm gonna talking? go out i'm gonna go pick up a, a wedding singer record the movie soundtrack i'm gonna spin it on my on my my record player and uh huh Keep it on loop over and over again. That's I what that's my that's my homework. I feel so old when you just said that. D speeds, what do you have to plug or promote? I'm here in New York. People want to collaborate. You can find me at, at dspeeds23 on Instagram. I just love being here. And I'm I hopefully have some projects to announce soon, but at the moment I cannot say. And if you know the answer to if you spin me around like a record is uh, there's a full version of it on the album. You can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Nobody answered this last time, but do you know of a production of The Wedding Singer that I can go see? It? <laughs> or that I can play Robbie in? I or mean, that he... come on, guys. Somebody Kill cast two it. birds with one stone here. You heard it this episode. D-Speed's got voice lessons after that youth production of it. So let he... me redeem myself, please. <laughs> and if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, well... It's not second chance, but we're going to be talking because it's the first chance of this one. It's Annette with one of the besties of the pod. Ha ha. D Speeds, thank you so much for popping by again. We'll see you soon. I know what we're doing, but I don't want to say it right now to the audience. Mm, Let's let them wait in suspense. Yeah, suspensefully wait. And bye for now, everyone. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.